save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. We are one week away from the Super Bowl. I'll talk a little bit about it, but uh, still don't want to dive into too many details because we still have some injury reports to kind of go through and uh, in terms of the analysis of how the game's going to go. Uh, no real movement on the line. The Chiefs still favored by three points. Uh, people are not really going to be seriously betting on this just yet. I, I mean, outside of uh, the Vegas gamblers, but the casual gamblers, uh, you know, m- most of the money in the action on the Super Bowl comes later on uh, uh, in the uh, upcoming days uh, right before uh, the big game. But, um, you know, in terms of... The matchup itself, you know, I, I touched on this already. This really does line up uh, in terms of the Chiefs, you know, and from a DFS perspective, you got to be asking the question of how do I get Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Kelsey in the lineups together and still have some exposure to Tampa? And realistically, I'm still kind of going through the numbers. It it really looks as though you're only going to be able to afford Brady in there and maybe uh, try to uh, do a couple of punt options uh, that really aren't too appetizing. DraftKings really did a good job pricing it up to make it difficult to get uh, cute with just jamming in uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. But I, I really do think uh, that's pretty much the way the bill needs to go. And then it comes down to do the Chiefs have offensive weapons that you can play around with uh, that you can slide in there uh, for uh, point valuation-wise, uh, maybe in the captain spot to get a little bit different to fit in some Tampa Bay players. But, you know, as it stands, I just think that Tyreek Hill in the captain spot makes a ton of sense. I mean, if you go back to the Week 12 matchup, uh, the Chiefs and Bucks had the Chiefs basically ran the Bucks out of their own building. It, it was in Tampa, so I mean it's the same matchup uh, that we saw a couple of weeks ago. No real differences uh, between the teams outside of Vitavea being back for the defense line of the Bucks, but the Chiefs are kind of run uh, uh, kind of a trap running style anyway. So uh, even Vea, you know, can have an impact, but not that much of an impact as he. Uh, as was the case with the Green Bay matchup. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of looking at it early on and just looking at it from a budgetary standpoint. It makes sense uh, trying to uh, use Tyreek Hill in the captain as opposed to Mahomes, and you can still afford Kelsey 
but the matchup really does favor Terry Kill. I mean, he torched the Bucks uh, the first go around in the first quarter. Seven catches for over 200 yards and a touchdown. You know, realistically, uh, I know Todd Bowles and the uh, Bucks defense will be looking to redeem themselves, but it's just not a great matchup for them with the Chiefs' speed. The speed is just what really hampers them. They were able to uh, bracket uh, Devontae Adams because the uh, Packers wide receivers cannot win one-on-one consistently when it's not play action. The Packers offense uh, and their wide receivers, they really can't get themselves open uh, unless it's play action. Whereas with the Chiefs, you saw it with uh, the way teams have been playing them. It doesn't really matter what they're kind of going with. McCole Hardman can shake a dude. Uh, you know, Demarcus Robinson, even though he hardly gets used, finds his uh, finds ways to get himself open. The Chiefs just beat uh, teams off the line of scrimmage of release, or they just blow right past you if if you play up on them too close. That's the thing with the Chiefs. They have so much athletic talent and speed. It's it puts defenses at a disparity, and it makes it very hard. It makes it very hard to match up with them. Because you know over the top, Tyreek Hill can just demolish you. And you saw it uh, uh, last week against the Bills. Uh, you know, they were they had Tyreek Hill kind of bottled up because they were giving so much space. But Kelsey was eating them alive underneath it in the first half. So in the second half, the Bills tried to play up. And then Ty- and as I called it with folks uh, prior to the second half, you know, if they uh, based off of the Report uh, Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, gave at the half. Uh, you know, they said they're, uh, they they told the sideline reporter that they were going to play up a bit more. And I, to me, as soon as they told uh, uh, Tracy Wilson that, I, I said Tyreek Hill's going to go off because you can't play up on Tyreek Hill. If you if he gets even, two, I mean, it doesn't even need two steps. He, like he just needs a single step, and his second and third steps are faster than your second step. It's not even close. So as long as he gets one step, he's gone. He is absolutely gone. And you saw it in the damage he did to the Bills in the second half. He did it to the Bucks in the first half. You you just have to give him uh, just a ton of space, but it leaves you open to the zone busters that the Chiefs have in their wide receiver core that can just find pockets of space in your defense and just pick you apart. That's what makes this a really tough matchup overall, because when you look at it from a grand scheme of things, the Bucks have to figure out a way of just scoring enough points. They just got to find a way to get to 35 points. Somehow they, they just got to get it done because I can't see the chiefs not breaking 30 in this game. I just don't see a way for, unless the Chiefs just turn the ball over uh, a ton, I just don't see how the Chiefs don't score 30-plus points in this game. It's just that simple. So the Bucks have to be able to uh, keep pace and outscore them. And to me, the only way that happens is if the Bucks can air it out and basically turn it into a sh- uh, shooting fest and hope for some turnovers. Because to me, that's kind of how they're going to have to play this one. They, you know, they can try to do the ball control offense. I just think that it has limited upside against the Chiefs because 
the Bucks defense is going to get tired in the second half. Uh, so that's just the way I'm kind of uh, sizing up this game. Like I said, I didn't want to go too crazy in depth on uh, the breakdown, but the, it's just very limited upside as to where uh, I see things going. So uh, two trades I wanted to talk about for this uh, week, uh, this episode. And, you know, in baseball, uh, you know, not a whole lot to talk about for baseball because, you know, we, we may have a, a shutdown uh, in place uh, depending on how the league and the players association are, are discussing uh, the reopening uh, when most of the ballparks are still going to be shut down. That's still going to be a delicate subject, but the St. Louis Cardinals uh, uh, pulled off a major trade with the Colorado Rockies to acquire Nolan Arenado, uh, the all-star third baseman. And, you know, one of the top 10 players in the league, I would say that, you know, Arenado, has had a little bit of a rough patch uh, the last year and a half with the Rockies. And, you know, it's just from his dissatisfaction with the organization, not really building enough around the team. And it kind of started with LeMahieu leaving uh, for kind of nothing. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Arenado is just one of those special talents that he instantly makes your team better in while folks can say that, you know, he hit in course, he's got power to all parts of the field. He can do it all at the plate and all-star third baseman, uh, the best defensive third baseman in the league, uh, in my opinion. You know, just loads of talent, can do it all, and badly needed star power for the Cardinals because they just haven't had that guy since Albert Pujols left the building. Uh, and, you know, we're we're talking... Man, it's it's been ages now. Uh, it it's been uh, we're talking eight years now since uh, Pujols been gone. Uh, it's crazy um, how long it's been. But uh, the Cardinals just have not had that guy. And while well, yes, they did acquire Paul Goldschmidt, you know Goldschmidt has been pretty much lackluster. Uh, is being kind. Uh, he just has not been the guy that he was uh, once was. And he's been regressing on the wrong side of 30 uh, for the Cardinals. So the Cardinals desperately needed to make a big-time move. Matt Carpenter's getting up there in age. Yadi Molina is not getting any younger as catcher. I mean, Molina's currently a free agent right now. And just interviewing with other teams because he was kind of ticked off the Cardinals lowballed him. I think the Cardinals, with Arenado agreeing to defer some of his salary because Arenado had 261 million over the last nine years of his deal. So if he's deferring money, uh, that should give a little bit more flexibility for the Cardinals to do uh, a couple other things in free agency. Uh, you know, does this make the Cardinals, you know, contenders off the bat for the World Series? No, but it at least puts them in the mix that they can challenge the Dodgers. Whereas uh, last couple of years, you know, the NL Central has just been kind of a free-for-all because the Cubs were clearly looking to try to rebuild uh, their franchise. Even though they've won a World Series, they seem to be real quick to tear it down because they didn't want to pay any of the players that won the World Series for them. Uh, you know, whatever the Cubs are doing, I, it's, a, it's a mystery to me. But 
Cubs were looking kind of unwind down their own championship squad. You had a Brewers team that always operates within the margins and tries to uh, take swings when they can, but then starts pairing back immediately. And so the Brewers started scaling back, uh, you know, try to keep Yelich, but, you know, you pay Yelich and not anyone else, so then they start pairing back the roster. So they they were kind of out of the mix. And then the Reds kind of snuck up on people. But, again, the Reds operating under the payroll, they were going to let Trevor Bauer walk. So now that uh, they made a couple of their moves, you know, they were going to let Bauer walk and then take – the draft pick of whoever whomever signs him. Uh, and that's the other mystery question is who signed Trevor Bauer. You know, now it looks as though the Mets might be the team to do it, but you know, still no ink signed and we don't have a 20 plus million dollar contract for Trevor Bauer yet. Uh, and it looks like it might only be a one year deal because with everything going on, teams are just not committing uh big time money to free agents uh, outside of the Yankees and LeMahieu. And even LeMahieu's contract was pretty reasonable by all standards. Uh, he got the six years, but $91 million, uh, for LeMahieu, what he brings to the Yankees, that's still pretty, uh pretty reasonable contract uh, team-wise. But no one else is really offering the money. And again, a lot of this kind of points back to what I was talking about with the Players Association negotiating with the, uh, the owners on the upcoming CBA. It seems obvious, even though with the pandemic being used as an excuse, that the teams are kind of colluding with one another not to give big money deals. You basically saw George Springer run out of options uh, to sign with teams and ended up signing with the Blue Jays because uh, the Blue Jays were desperate to sign someone and uh, they were willing to pay uh, Springer uh, 20 plus million per year. But no one's really offering the long term deals out uh in terms of uh contracts so it's been a very quiet free agency period uh that got upset by uh the Arenado trade but you know by all accounts this uh this is definitely one of the quieter uh periods in my opinion now maybe we see some traction as we get a little bit closer to March but it's definitely been dragging out and we saw this happen last year with a number of free agents uh you know it's just very quiet overall from a baseball offseason standpoint the last couple of years all right uh actually another quick point i'm going to throw out there people have been making a big deal about no one being selected to the hall of fame this year you know i can dive into this uh yeah for those of you who don't know my stance on, on this uh, the morality clause that baseball writers keep going off of there are a ton of guys with baggage already in the baseball hall of fame the bottom line is for the steroid era between clemens and bonds every one of these guys should be in there with their own designation and uh, asterisks in a separate wing of a particular era in baseball where you had superstars that would have been hall of famers regardless using performance-enhancing drugs to boost their stats. You know, we know enough. And, you know, they may not accept it, and they may call it uh, deflammatory, but it's the evidence was already there for a number of these athletes. So this is not that hard to come up with a separate wing idea in terms of inducting certain players. 
because uh, you can induct them, don't have a formal ceremony, but at least induct them. You know, the Kurt Schilling thing, uh, you know, having it based on political views, you know, again, and some of the things he said, you know, again, these are not Boy Scouts we're talking about here. Uh, there are folks that uh, very much uh, deserve uh, some uh, ridicule and uh, being called out on certain items, but you know, at the end of the day, they are still Hall of Famers. So that's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, we're going to uh, keep things moving along. And a- after a quick break here, we're going to get into uh, talking about the NFL uh, trade that had a lot of people scratching their head. So stay tuned. All right. So getting back to it, the Rams and Lions pulled off one of the strangest trades you'll ever see because you've got the Rams trading the younger quarterback in Jared Goff to the Lions for 32-year-old Matthew Stafford. And it's the Lions receiving the draft picks from uh, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. I almost caught uh, almost caught myself saying St. Louis. It's it's uh, but it's the uh, the uh, the L. A. Rams uh, trading Jared Goff uh, to Detroit for uh, Matthew Stafford, and uh, the Rams are also setting along draft picks. So let's uh, let's uh, peel back the onion on this one because uh, we're 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 getting a lot of waterworks here for uh, you know how. Uh, abused Matthew Stafford has been in the media over the last couple of years, this, that, and the other. So let, let's just get right down to it. So let's be clear here. Why would the Rams trade for a 32-year-old quarterback who is 0-3 in the playoffs, never won a division title in his entire 12-year career in the league, made it to one Pro Bowl, I believe. Why would they trade for Matthew Stafford? Well, the truth of the matter is, teams are desperate. I mean, interest in Stafford, when Dan Campbell of, we're going to bite your kneecaps off fame, yes, that is actually what he said in his introductory press conference, but frankly, the clip was so dumb that I I had to process it for myself, I'll probably save it uh, for future episodes. But man, uh, that was one of the dumbest press conferences I have ever seen. And not even sports related, just entirely in life. That is one of the dumbest press conferences I've ever seen. So Matthew Stafford had to be thinking, this team's going to be a train wreck. Demanded a trade. And because there's so few quality quarterbacks in the league, everyone looks at Matthew Stafford from an intangible standpoint. Skill set wise, everything's still there to be a top tier quarterback. But the results just look at it saying that Matthew Stafford cannot elevate the position. But where did things lie? Jared Goff has played in the Super Bowl, has made the playoffs a couple of times. But the knock on Jared Goff, and I will keep saying this, is that. Jared Goff is a creation of Sean McVay. 
Sean McVay literally has to call out the plays for Jared Goff at the line of scrimmage in order for the Rams to be able to execute. Jared Goff cannot throw the ball well down the field. It's not a good downfield thrower. Can't uh, can't do much if you knock him off his spot. He's very limited as an NFL QB. So, what's the bugaboo of Jared Goff then? Why are the Rams giving up draft picks in addition uh, to uh, taking on the older quarterback? And the fact of the matter is, Goff's contract is so massive that they had no choice but to give uh, give Detroit the draft picks. Jared Goff was scheduled to cost the Rams $35 million next year on their salary cap because of his extension. They still have money on the books at a minimum for two more years, uh, but the contract runs another four years. Uh, with Jared Goff, with the guaranteed signing bonus money. But with with this trade uh, and the signing bonus basically getting shifted around, you've got uh, the Lions taking a $28 million uh, salary cap hit for Goff's contract as opposed to the $35 million. Uh, so it, gets, it does get split between... Uh, the Rams and the Lions uh, for next year for Stafford's part, you know, he's making about 22 million this year, but that's, that's it. Like Stafford's contract. It's a short term contract. It's a one year rental. Uh, you know, the Rams can, you know, if this doesn't work out after next year. The Rams can uh, go look for another QB in the draft. I still think the Rams should probably be looking for a QB in the draft because I just don't see, Stafford as more than maybe you can get one year, maybe two, but I really think a 32-year-old QB with back issues is not necessarily something you should be planning uh, to build around your franchise long-term, but the Rams have been, you know, all in for the last four years. So with yet another first-round pick, uh, uh, two first-round picks uh, traded, future first-round picks, uh, you know, you've got uh, essentially, uh, so they traded their first round pick for 2021, as well as the first round pick for 2023. The Rams have no first round picks uh, through, uh, and I have the numbers here. Yeah, so through uh, 2025. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams have no more first round draft picks. They've traded all their first round draft picks uh, because of various trades for the likes of Jalen Ramsey and other players that they just don't have any chips left. They don't have any first round picks left. So essentially the Rams are in a position where they need to hit on every player they have available left in the draft because, you know, after the first round, there are no surefire bets in the NFL of guys that are going to make a roster once you get past the first round. I mean, r- realistically, it, it's very hard for a first-round pick to get cut in training camp. But for other players, yeah, you've definitely seen uh, guys uh, miss uh, uh, miss uh, overall. So it's just something to kind of bear in mind. So 
here's the bottom line. You know, you got a golf costing a ton of money. He's owed money. Uh, the Lions could save money uh, about $10 million off the salary cap if they cut golf after uh, the 2021 season. So technically, the Lions could get out of the contract. It's just that uh, golf salary would still be charged to them for 2022. So that's why, it, you know, this is really kind of a two-year marriage between golf and the Lions as they rebuild. Because here's the thing with Detroit. It's a complete rebuild because all the offense weapons Stafford had, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, all those dudes, they're pending free agents. They're walking out the door because who's sticking around for a coach talking about biting off kneecaps? You know, you, golf is a clear downgrade from Matthew Stafford. Now, is uh, Matthew Stafford a prolific passer? Yeah, because the, uh, throughout his entire tenure, the Lions did not have a thousand-yard rusher his entire career, which is an insane stat if you think about it. How inept that a franchise known for having one of the greatest running backs in all time, Barry Sanders, could not for the, their lives get another running back of decent quality. And, you know, they have some nice players. They have some players that can tote the rock now, at least. But I'm still not entirely sure that the Lions are going to have a thousand yard rusher next year. Like there, there's some very real concerns about how bad the Lions can be in the next couple of years. So yeah, the the draft picks help, but the Lions have a lot of rebuilding to do. And realistically, there's not much of a base to work off of either. But um, you know, if we're looking at uh, you know just pure football grades, uh, Pro Football Focus had uh, these stats at the QB position. Matthew Stafford was uh, eighty four ranked eighty four point seven, which uh, was good enough for tenth in the league. Jared Goff was eighty one point six, which was thirteenth. You know, the Rams' first round picks are always late in the uh, late in the draft, so unless they completely implode. You know, the Lions aren't getting that much. And the way the Rams kind of look at the draft is, you know, for paying first-round picks costs more money on the cap than later rounds, obviously. But they believe that they can get replacement value players, players that kind of fall through the cracks or just need a little bit extra money and not being valued. They believe they can get replacement players that are of equal or better value than what you would get from most first round picks. And that's just their philosophy. But in order to execute that philosophy, you got to be able to scout well enough on free agency and, and knock it out of the park, which makes it a very difficult game you're playing because you're constantly playing from uh, behind in terms of uh, monetary uh, dollars and managing the cap. But, uh, you know, there's something to be said about the drop-off in Jared Goff's game because, you know, he had, over the course of the 2017-2018 season, so his second and third years in the league, you know, he had 60 touchdown passes, which were uh, fourth most in the league, and his touchdown rate was 5.8% uh, of snaps, uh, which was uh, uh, top 10 
in the league uh, amongst quarterbacks uh, uh, with uh, qualified enough passes. So, you know, he was getting it done, but it was off of play action when you had Todd Gurley being a beast of a running back. And, you know, Cam Akers had an excellent year this year, but still nothing remotely close to what Todd Gurley was doing dominating the league in that two-year period before the knee uh, issues uh, cropped up for Gurley with the general knee. But without the massive sell on the play action, golf was pretty much useless. Uh, You know, his touchdown rate uh, fell to 3.6%, which was 41st amongst uh, passers with over 100 dropbacks. His yards per attempt uh, were under eight yards. He was 24th in the league. Uh, and his yards per completion uh, were only 11.2 yards, which is 23rd in the league. You know, it's just very short route trees. And yes, I know Cooper Cup, Robert Woods do a very similar role. Uh, they don't have really a guy to stretch the field anymore. Uh, that was uh, Brandon Cooks' role in the Rams offense uh, before he ran into uh, a number of health issues. Uh for rebounding uh, this past year in Houston. But, you know, Cooks was the deep threat that stretched the field. And, you know, that's uh, part of what you can attribute to uh, golf not being able to throw the ball down the field. But realistically, golf was just not good at throwing intermediate routes. Uh, He uh, ranked uh, in the bottom third in the league on intermediate routes the last three years. He's just not very good throwing deep down the field. And that's just been the bugaboo. If Jared Goff does not see it at the line of scrimmage from what McVay's telling him, he does not really have the wherewithal to improvise and be able to spot guys open down the field and read coverages. So I really have my doubts on if Jared Goff's going to be an NFL starter in three years. If Matthew Stafford can stay healthy, Matthew Stafford will be an NFL starter in three years from now. But I can't say the same thing for Jared Goff. So when we look in totality of what the Rams gave up originally to get Jared Goff in 2016, the amount of trades, and this is part of the reason why they have lost so many draft picks, you know, uh, they gave up uh, – multiple first round picks again part of the Rams strategy uh but with the Titans uh, and most of the, the uh picks uh, trade for the golf uh moving up uh, uh to secure him uh as number 1 was the fact that they uh traded with the Titans and with those picks uh the Titans had gotten Jack Conklin who's now with the Browns but excellent tackle just got paid by the Browns this past year but uh uh pro bowl tackle uh, Derrick Henry was selected in the second round by the Titans. You had Corey Davis uh, being used as a first uh, top five pick in 2017 with uh, the pick uh, that they had gotten from uh, the Rams. Uh, and Jonu Smith, uh, you know, again, because uh, the Rams were terrible in 2016. So uh, they got a top five pick because of the Rams being terrible. But, you know, the Rams thought process was uh, we don't need the first round pick. They really did need that first round pick, but that's another story. But, um, you know, Tennessee obviously did not make the Super Bowl during the time period, but 
I still got to say that the Titans won that trade. Uh, even though uh, they did not have uh, Todd Gurley on their side and Derrick Henry did struggle for the first couple of years before discovering how he would be able to have an impact in the NFL. Tennessee really did get the better end of that trade with the Rams. Because the Rams now are having to gamble on Matthew Stafford staying healthy because Jerichoff just, they gave him a contract extension he didn't deserve, and it's just too expensive to find any other alternatives that you could feasibly make a trade uh, for. Hence, uh, the move for Stafford. Now, can Stafford throw the ball down the field? Without question. Can Stafford elevate this Ram squad? That is a very big question mark. But what I do know is this Rams defense is still good enough to win the division. Matthew Stafford just has to benefit from the best offensive coordinator he's going to work with his entire career and Sean McVay. He's got Cam Akers, who's basically the best running back he's ever had in his entire career. Uh, even though he's coming off of a rookie campaign and, you know, you always worry about a sophomore slump uh, talent wise, you know, that's the best running back. Uh, uh, Matthew Stafford has ever had now. Calvin Johnson ain't walking through that door. Uh, Stafford's going to have to figure out a way to make it work with Cooper cup and Robert Woods, not being deep vertical threats, but I think Stafford has more than enough arm strength uh, and mobility to, actually make things happen and you know he also gets the benefit of uh being reunited in uh los angeles with one of his childhood best friends clayton kershaw the the dodgers so i get to rag on kershaw and stafford in the same city now uh but uh you know we're gonna be hearing that story ad nauseum on nfl broadcast next year but uh get ready for it but uh you know it's a very interesting trade because the rams Clearly are gambling on win now, but that's always been their uh, motto. And the Lions, for all intents and purposes, are doing a rebuild. Maybe they find something to reignite uh, the quarterback Jared Goff should have been. But, you know, this just screams tank job by the Lions. Uh, You know, gambling with what money you have left by the Rams because they gave up a lot of equity uh you know to get this deal done and again if matthew stafford didn't have the injury history i would say this is a slam dunk win for the rams in terms of the trade we don't know if matthew stafford can actually stay healthy uh, you know it's a very big question mark uh, you know i just think that they have a, a more talented passer now but there's still some very real question marks as to how uh how this is all going to work uh, long term. So, uh very very much up in the air how this is going to play out, but uh a curious trade uh, nonetheless. So, uh, that's going to do it all for the show, but I definitely wanted to talk about that trade because uh, uh we're going to be definitely examining that one further as we go through uh next season, but uh you know, Super Bowl coming up and uh, we'll we'll definitely talk about the big game. Uh, moving forward but uh that's going to be all for now so uh thanks again for listening and uh uh have a good one folks thanks for listening to the fantasy throwdown podcast 
Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. 